0: salaries in the advertising industry have been revealed we look at who's earning what and what to do if you think you deserve a pay rise also today are we seeing the second coming of cinema advertising some surprising new research suggests that the big screen trumps well pretty much everything and have you ever seen a brand do more collaborations than vegemite we'll get into that one welcome to the Umbrella cast a discussion of everything under australia's media and marketing umbrella I'm Michael Thompson, and I'm joined every week by my colleague, Adam Lang. Adam, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Michael. Now, Adam, let's get straight into it, because we've got a lot to get through today. The biggest story of the week so far, and I know it's only Wednesday, so this could well be trumped still, but at least in terms of the traffic, there's been a story that came out yesterday, right? And it's all about salaries across the advertising industry. Now, when we published this story on the mumbrella website there was an extraordinary amount of interest in it, uh, These these things, the, the kind of data that assesses salaries across an industry is not particularly uncommon. It's from a recruitment company uh, that specialises in the industry. Carly Fenn, the general manager of specialist recruitment agency I Know Who, uh, spoke to Darcy Song from Mumbrella about this, and, and I would highly, highly encourage you to go to the website and check it out. But a few of the headlines from this, Adam, and I'm very keen to get your thoughts on all of this. It seems that industry salaries, salaries, Salaries are at best stagnating and at worst slipping backwards in the post pandemic years. That seems there's not as much competition anymore. We really went through a a period of extremely low unemployment, which we're still largely in, but it it does appear that that ferocious competition for staff might be easing. And with that comes a stagnation, or even potentially, without sounding too much like an economist here, Adam, a bit of downward pressure on salaries. I'll pull a couple. From the list, just to give you a bit of a taste of the numbers that we're talking about here, a full-time marketing coordinator is apparently looking at a salary of up to seventy-five thousand dollars. This is all of these figures are excluding. Super, but a, a digital marketing coordinator seems to have a higher value right now, uh, up to ninety thousand dollars. A brand manager is a range of one hundred and ten to one hundred and fifty thousand. Social media coordinator ninety thousand. If you look at the agency space and the data covers all of that as well. Uh, an account manager would be looking at a salary of up to $85,000, jumping up to a maximum of $130,000 for an account director. PR, communications manager, same thing, around 100 dollars to $130,000. There is a lot more to this. There are so many job titles, so many kind of salary ranges. It is worth checking out on mumbrella.com.au and see what the salary ranges are for your job. Darcy has done a fantastic job of pulling all of this information together from the recruitment company. But Adam, after that fairly lengthy preamble, the possibly the longest introduction I've ever done, what's your take on all of this? <laughs> well, excellent data nerding there, Michael. I'm very I, impressed. I feel like I've been hanging around with you perhaps too much <laughs> in that now, as soon as I saw all this data, I'm like, oh, this data is exciting. I thought, what have you become? Well, it is great data and it's probably for two main
1: reasons. One is, you know, you get a great indication of the low, medium and high sort of range, roles and that's excellent research, but it's also very salacious personal and professional interest, isn't it? That you you want to look into it and go, oh, okay, that's really interesting. So it's really valuable information on a couple of fronts. So I'm, I'm grateful to see it, but it also made me think about, okay, where we're at, cost of living pressure, definitely, salaries and what you get paid is so personal and so important. Unemployment is low, cost of living pressures are going up, so everyone's really got an acute level of interest in this and the turnover that I've heard directly from many media companies takes a range of 25 to 40%. That's 25 to 40% of people in a company are changing every year. Now that is a huge amount and I would argue at that level probably no one's winning. That is staggering. Yeah, it's huge. That is a that is an
0: alarmingly high turnover rate.
1: It is and you can imagine If you're in a company like that, there's a couple of impacts that you are often then always looking for new recruits. You are always looking to select great people, induct them, train them, manage them, and you'd really like to hold on to the best performers. But if you're not and people leave, that's gaps for people to fill. So you're you're having to recruit people, but you're also having to cover the work. And that can be a burden on any company. So you really want to make that turnover as low as you humanly can. And and while still retaining great performance. So it's a huge, it's got a huge impact on the industry at the moment. And so I think this salary benchmarking is really interesting. And we know that really, it's not all about the cash, but mostly it is, you know, it's really important to
0: be happy where you are, but you need money. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can't pay the mortgage with a kind of a ping pong table in the office. A contract. Yeah, exactly. Look, uh, Adam, there is a fairly natural follow-up to all of this because I reckon I would imagine it's a fairly safe bet that plenty of people listening to this right now who have had a look at this data on the Umbrella site uh, are comparing these benchmarks with what they're getting hmm. themselves because I suppose it takes a lot of the research element out of it for you. And so chances are you're either feeling probably pretty good right now if you are outperforming or, or maybe feeling a little bit underwhelmed perhaps with your own salary if, if this benchmark figure that you're seeing for your role is higher than what you're currently receiving. So we've explored this on the website and the question for you then is how people should use this data within the advertising industry now your background is of course and i need to mention this because it it explains why you know so much about this your background is as a a ceo of an asx listed company Uh, you've worked in a whole range of leadership roles for a very long time you now coach other ceos and executive teams you've had plenty of people come into your office asking for a pay rise including i would suspect at one point in a past life, you and I have had these conversations where I have have sat there opposite you going, what on earth do I say now? How valuable is that information that came out this week if you are someone who is going, what now? How do I use this? Oh, it's really
1: valuable. So the first thing to go through, I think, is how does it make you feel? And so if you feel that you should be having a conversation with your boss around what you are being paid and whether you think that should be reviewed, then I would really encourage you to do that. And there's a few steps, just briefly, that I can, I can suggest as a way to do it. It's not the only way to do it, but it certainly, over time, has worked for me on both sides of this conversation. So I guess start with that feeling. How does it make you feel? If you'd like to have a review of your remuneration, then you should. And so I would really encourage you to think about not so much if you're going to do it, but how you're going to do it. And at the end of it, begin with the end in mind and think about how you're going to leave that conversation feeling proud of the way you've handled yourself. And remember that you're probably going to spend more time outside a company or outside a role than you were in it, and you want to be able to look back on it really well. So make sure that you you leave the conversation proud. That should be the goal. And then in terms of going to the steps between now, should I have a conversation and leaving the conversation proud. Once you've begun with that end in mind, have a plan. Like think about where you want your career to go with a company and think about the short, medium and long term and think about whether you want to stay in the role you're in or move beyond it. Like your role right now might be perfect for you. Your life might be in balance or you might want to move sideways or up or down somewhere else. All of those things are completely valid and they're good conversations to have with your boss. So I'd say have a plan for that conversation about what you want out of it. And if it's, you know, straight pay rise for what you do, or if it's a career plan or a mix of both, have a plan.
0: And I think that's the really good way to approach it. Adam, it now feels like I'm just kind of using you for a a bit of free coaching here, which I suppose I am, but I think we all benefit from this. In that scenario, then, you've you've kind of got a bit of a plan. You know that you want to take this data in. You want to walk in and say, this is what someone in a similar role elsewhere in the industry is getting. How do you actually, should you give advance notice to your boss that you're going to do this? Do you just send them an email saying, hey, there's some data. I saw it on Mumbrella last week. Can we have a chat? Is that the way to do it? Um, It can be, but I would suggest... (laughs) You don't sound
1: convinced. (laughs) (laughs) Well... If you can, I think the best way is to have a conversation with the person and let them know you want to have a chat about it. So go to your boss and hopefully you've got a regular cycle of meetings and it can just come up at the next one. But if you cannot wait for that or if it's not known to you when that's going to be, approach them. Ideally, in person is the best way. And say, look, I'd like to have a chat about my role and my career. When can we do that? So arrange that time. And I think that's best done in person and flagging, that's what you want to talk about. So I think that's the first step and it might feel a little awkward doing that. But remember, if you sort of begin with that end in mind of leaving the conversation proud, then I think you'll be in the right frame of mind to have that conversation with them.
0: Okay. Now, assuming that you are a uh, marketing coordinator and you've seen this benchmark salary of of up to $75,000 and you go, well... I'm on $65,000 mm. right now. And you go into this meeting with your boss, do you say, look, these are the facts. This is what is out there at the moment. I would like my salary to match what appears to be an industry standard. Are you that specific? Can you actually just go in and and say this is what I would like. This is the figure that I'm aiming for.
1: Yeah, you can. I think it's it's good to consider contextualizing that first. So and By that, I mean each company usually has a purpose, a vision, or a mission. They've got values and behaviours like a culture code. And so I would suggest think about your request in that framework. Use the company's own culture code to frame what you want to say. And then really understand what your goals are. So what are the goals of your role and how well you're performing them? Because you should know that. Obviously, the company's investing in you to perform for them, and they'll have a set of goals in mind that they want out of your role and your performance. And so it's really important to know where you stand with your performance and be really honest with yourself. Some people really kind of glass half full, think they're doing a great job. Other people are a bit down on themselves. So you'll be somewhere on that line in terms of how you regard your own performance, but make sure you know what it is and you've thought about how
0: you're performing in your role. Are we going to see greater movement within the advertising industry in the wake of, say, data like this coming out with everybody threatening to walk as a result of, of seeing this data and realising that their salary might not match up? Can you threaten to to leave? Do threats have any... And even as I say this, I can see your face, Adam, and I know that I'm, <laughs> I'm on dangerous ground here. I'm assuming just from just from the expression on your face, that threats in a conversation like this are not going to help you win.
1: I just don't know that a threat will leave you feeling proud at the end of the conversation. So if it's escalating and it's getting agitated, I think it's better to call the pause on the conversation and just stall it and say, hey, look, let's stop here and come back to it. Because I think these should be really good conversations between you and your boss and they should end up somewhere really productive. So even if, let's say, you think you're doing well, but your boss doesn't, well, then at least you're clear on that and you can fix it. And you can say, okay, well, if I fix this, can we agree a time that we will come back and review my remuneration? Because you want to make sure that you're hitting your goals. That's really important. So know your scoreboard. And again, to your point, maybe not threats but know how you want to frame your communication imagine that you're on the receiving end of the request and how would you want to handle it how would your boss do you think your boss would like to see you handle it and try and input that into the way that you want the conversation to go
0: okay in the current environment there is perhaps not as much money washing around as there once was Mm. So, there is the potential that a conversation like this might end in a no. You might not actually be able to get additional remuneration out of this. What if your boss does say no? What's what's the option there? Is it a case of going, okay, I know what other people are being paid elsewhere. I'm, I am going to have a look around and see what else I can find? Yes. Look, I think when
1: you get the result of the conversation, if it's not the one you want, that's going to feel awkward, Right. And I think it's best to just say, look, thank you for the conversation, leave that with me and I'll think about that. Because I think it's important that you don't react in the wrong way in that conversation and it may end up really well and you're very happy. But let's just say that you're not. It's really important that you keep your pride and dignity and that you think about it. And I think that you must, you must consider options outside the company. If that indeed is the outcome and you think that you've been hitting your goals, And that it's not a fair return, that you stay on the remuneration that you have, that you do want to pay Rise and you're not going to get one, unless you know when that's going to be reviewed again and you've got a good indication that it'll be reviewed positively if you'll hit your goals, I think you really must consider your options.
0: All right, final question. From me on this one, Adam. What about proposing alternatives to money? Mm-hmm. And we have talked about this recently on Mumbrella Cast, and we've covered it on Mumbrella as well, the number of interesting perks and things that are at different workplaces yes. within the industry. And some of them have kind of very flexible working arrangements or, or kind of different trips, annual trips that they take. What about proposing alternatives to money, like parking or kind of flexible hours or something like that? Should that be part of these conversations? Yeah, I think it should. And it's really individual, like what they all mean
1: to each of us might be different. So for many of us, I suspect that it's maybe not all about the money, but it's pretty close. So, you know, I think that there's a really important point on the remuneration itself. But then, of course, you can explore things. And let's just say you want your career to go in another direction, then perhaps a mentorship in the company with someone in a field that you're interested in or a course or a conference, all sorts of things can be really worthwhile to pursue.
0: I hate to think how much you would have charged me for this if we had done this in a professional <laughs> environment just now. This the, one's on the Mumbrella house, Michael. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Adam, for your generosity. <laughs> now, uh, I would highly encourage you to go to mumbrella.com.au, check out two things on there. One is the list of salaries and just have a bit of a look. It's also just good for a bit of a sticky beak at what other people are getting for different jobs. It's always fascinating. And I think that goes to the voyeur within all of us. But there's also a longer article on there as well that goes goes through a few of these steps and tips and things that we have just discussed. So if you have missed anything, it is worth checking both of those out. Plenty of analysis all over the website. Check it out. Adam, we will come back in a second and get into some other stories from Umbrella this week.
1: Yeah, look, I hope that's helped, Michael, and I look forward to the conversation about our pay rises.
0: All right, Adam. So we are now each picking a story that Mumbrella has covered this week and bringing it to the studio table for discussion. It's not even really a table, is it? It's more of a, a, a bench, <laughs> kind of a desk. <laughs> I need to work on my terminology. What's your story today? What have you chosen for us?
1: Okay. So Nathan Jolly wrote this one. I love the title. Australian advertising preferences are stuck in the 90s. Period. I remember well, Michael. Cantar research. So this Cantar research. Uh, is the Kantar Media Reactions 2023 report. Now, what it did was look at 16,000 consumer interviews in 23 markets around the world, including 900 senior marketers from around the world. So this is a big survey, right? And so what it's saying is really interesting. Cinema advertising was ranked as the most favourable by Australians. Cinema. Hmm. Now, that
0: didn't strike me as
1: expected
0: did it strike you as expected michael that to me is extraordinary considering cinema itself even putting to one side the the advertising element of it cinema has been struggling so much in recent years but to now think that that advertising on the big screen is surging back that's extraordinary yeah and having those
1: screens gotten even bigger right and i would imagine that not just covid but for competitive reasons the whole cinema experience in the last 10 years has changed. The sound, the size of the screen, the seats, the whole experience is amazing. So well done them, right? And then that was followed by non-digital out-of-home advertising. So static billboards, bus stop posters, most favorably ranked by Australians. You go, okay, cinema, then static billboards. Amazing, really. Point of sale was ranked third. It's a Okay, so what you'd expect to say, oh, TV, radio, all the other formats, print, no, cinema, static billboards, point of sale. It's almost like going back in time, but how good is this research? I-
0: I'm I'm a little bit surprised by it, if I'm honest. Mm. It, it goes entirely against what I would expect, because you would think that, because of the technology that's available to us, and because of the things that we can do, and the the really creative executions that use the technology, and things even down to things like influencers. That I can see, I'm looking down the list now, and I can see that 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 influencers are the the, the first of the kind of non-offline media. <laughs> Non-offline media. Or online. (laughs) (laughs) Think about this though.
1: It's so busy on your average computer screen or phone, lots of advertising, lots of movement, brightness, colours. Maybe it's, you know, when you're out and about, when you see a billboard and you know that spot, every time you look at it or you look out for what it's advertising or you go to cinema, you know some of the big ads will be on and they'll look more magnificent than you get to see them in average life. Or point of sale it's interesting but the fact that life is so busy and our screens are so busy but yet this static inventory isn't and it's reclaimed some affection from the public it's amazing
0: okay so what do you think then that that marketers and media buyers need to take out of this because from what i'm, I'm taking from what you're saying is that we're a bit overwhelmed mm. by everything that is hitting us in the, the digital kind of space and that, that in some sense it's almost becoming white noise and right. that maybe we are yearning for a simpler time. Adam and I mean, God, I sound old saying something like that.
1: The I think that the cut through is always important, right? Having your message get through in the best context, in the best way. But what I think it says is there's a place on any given campaign for a whole range of media, not just one dominant part. And so I thought that was really refreshing. What that means, of course, too, is you've got to have different creative executions that work best in those formats. It's a great challenge for brands and marketers.
0: I still remember so many of the cinema ads that I have seen. I'm just as you were talking. I'm just thinking about kind of going to the movies and watching uh, the ads that, that come up as part of the, the, the pre-show entertainment. Mm. And they do actually stand out. I have never considered that before, just how effective they actually are. Maybe there's something to this. I'm sure I'm sure they are just hanging out there waiting for me to validate Cantar's uh, research on here. Having spoken to 16,000 other people, I really want to hear what Michael Thompson thinks. But I think they might be right here, Adam. <laughs> well, that's good, Michael. So
1: 16,000 consumers, including 900 senior marketers across 23 markets. So it feels like, even though you weren't in the research, Michael seems like
0: you agree. Yeah, and one podcast host. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think we can we can stamp this one, Adam, as research <laughs> validated, <laughs> umbrella cast approved. That's right. Now, can I nominate another story? Please. I also enjoyed one from the umbrella website written by Nathan Jolly, who's had a very productive week. Clearly, oh, aka Dr. Mumbo. In this one? Oh, yes, I t- this one. It has been a big week for collaborations. <laughs> it was a river. Vegemite. Vegemite, <laughs> of all things. And, and it's alarming how often we talk about this. Story by Nathan on Mumbrella this week is called, Want to Make Your Brand More Aussie? Just Add Vegemite, which is a great headline. And the story was actually prompted by Vegemite and Uncle Toby's, which is not necessarily a... <laughs> A fit and a match that comes that springs instantly to mind. But they are asking the public, the Australian public, to vote on whether they want to see oats with Vegemite, Vegemite in your porridge, which again, <laughs> I don't know who kind of cooked that one up. Savory porridge. Well, look,
1: when salted caramel first came along, I'm sure many of us went, What? And then you taste it. And it's just fantastic. I don't know that the same thing could be said of Uncle Toby's and Vegemite, but if they have a gluten-free version, I'll give it a go.
0: Adam, you cannot draw a link between salted <laughs> caramel, which is one of the great kind of dessert discoveries of the, the, the last half century, mm. with pairing Vegemite. Okay. What about Vegemite shapes? Okay, this is, okay. Now we're getting into where I want to talk about because I, it got me thinking about collaborations. And we've we, we actually seen a whole bunch of collaborations of different types. We had one this week as well from like TikTok and Canva promoting how businesses can use TikTok to grow. And that to me feels like a normal business partnership, right? Mm. But you look at Vegemite and Vegemite is a prolific collaborator. You had Vegemite in barbecue chickens, Vegemite in Coles hot cross buns, Vegemite in SPC baked beans, Vegemite in harvest snap baked (laughs) pea crisps. This is, this is not even a comprehensive list. That's like four or five. There are probably dozens of examples, and Nathan lists them in his article. It's a very, very good article. It's worth a read, but it's also not the only one. Vegemite is not the only one to do this. Plenty of other brands do it too. You had, uh, I think, Kellogg's Nutri-Grain and Bega peanut butter crunch cereal. So I'd I'd be willing to try it, I suppose. Actually, yeah. Twisties have done a recent collaboration with Donut King, making (laughs) (laughs) donut-flavored Twisties. Did you try them, Michael? Which one, the, the donut-flavoured twisties? Yeah. No, oh. no. But I, I actually want to. Yeah. And this is the thing that they kind of grab me and they, they get me thinking about them. And chances are, if I see them next in Coles or Woolies, I will pick them up. So they've done their job. Smith's Crisps, right? Yeah. They have done, I'm going to, a conservative estimate, a million, I would say, <laughs> of, the, okay. of these collaborations. They have things like Smith's Subway uh, Meatball Sub-flavoured Chips. They've got the Pete's. Pizza sub-flavoured chips. Did these actually happen? Yes. Smith's Subway Chicken Teriyaki (laughs) sub-flavoured chips. (laughs) Okay. Red Rooster Crinkle Cut Reds Fried Chicken Burger flavoured chips. Well, Red Rooster chips were legendary, so I can see that. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Oh, Hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Granted, I'll uh, approve. I'll get my approved stamp back out again. And then you had the Smith's Mad Mex Double Crunch Hot Sauce Chips. Oh, okay. That's intense. I would argue, though, that all of those and the the Vegemite collaborations that we talked about before are a bit less about delivering something that we need and more about delivering us something that we're going to talk about. And we are not the only ones that, that say this. There was some great comments on the website on Mumbrella, Uh, this one from John who said, the fact that none of these products are ever around for a long time, they're always a limited edition, uh, show that it's more about the free publicity and advertising they're guaranteed to get rather than caring if the product is actually liked or not. In fact, the more shocking the combo, the better for headlines, right? And as customers, we get the marketing strategy and it is getting boring at least they aren't putting it in our coffee or our deodorant. <laughs> so well played, John. But question for you, Adam: Is it just a good marketing gimmick? Is there anything more to it than this? I, I think
1: it's a it can be a good marketing gimmick, and it's more than that. I like the idea of pushing brands a bit. You know, first you've got to have the brands trusted, right? And I would say Vegemite has demonstrated that. You know, it, it's quite divisive. People who love it love it. And there are plenty of people who don't. I'm in the former camp. I love it. And yes, look, I think it's quite fun that Vegemite's doing this.
0: Why not? So you're not you're not siding with John on this one that it's getting boring. Well, I, no, I see his point. And you know, I suppose we'll all have our individual sort of point of fatigue on it, if you
1: like, when the ideas run its course or beyond it. But I do think there's space for collaboration, and you get two brands both having a crack at it and benefiting
0: each other. So it's rare that brands collaborate, right? So why not? It's a good point. And both brands win out of it in a different way almost.
1: Well, they can. They can also lose, right?
0: Yeah. But I would say that in this case, you have, say, Vegemite wins because it keeps their name in the headlines, which for a, uh, a company that is, well, this is going to test me, what, like 80 years old? I want to say that they celebrated their 75th birthday a little while ago. I could confirm this by Googling, but we are operating live here, as live as a podcast can be.
1: I'm guessing 1922. In fact, I'm not guessing. I'm looking it up on the interweb machine.
0: 1922? 1922. 1922. So it's 100 years of Vegemite last year. Okay. I haven't fact-checked this. That's all so right. let's just say one source reports. Okay. Well, okay. So for a business that is nudging or circling the century, right? To keep them in the headlines, that is pretty extraordinary. But but the other company that partners with, whether it is uh, your barbecue chooks or whether it's your SPC baked beans, you instantly get a shot of Aussiness, don't you? You really do kind of get that collaboration because nothing is more Australian than Vegemite. And as soon as you add Vegemite to it, forget about what it tastes like. You are sending the clearest possible signifier that, hey, we are an Australian brand. So that company then wins as well. So it really does kind of go both ways. And maybe John is right that um, I don't really care whether it tastes any good or not. At least we're talking about it and at least it's sending the right message. Yeah. It may even taste good too. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know about the barbecue chooks with Vegemite on them. It just feels like it's a little bit of a stretch too far. Now, before we go, Adam, we are running rapidly out of time. I want to mention one more article on the website, just one to to check out. a, A fantastic piece written by Lauren McNamara. Uh, about women in media. And so Lauren attended the Women in Media Summit in Sydney last week and this week published a fantastic article about a panel that uh, featured Dentsu Creatives CEO Kirsty Muddle, 7West Media's Chief Marketing and Audience Officer, Melissa Hopkins, and really, I suppose you'd say an all-star panel talking about what needs to change to improve uh, the industry's diversity, equity, and inclusion culture it is is a really important conversation it is a great article by lauren and i would certainly recommend going and checking that one out as well
1: yeah it's a great read good cause and i think we all yearn for creating an environment where this isn't a story anymore yeah well said
0: all right that's all we've got time for thank you very much adam Thank you, Michael. This is the Mumbrella Cast. Remember to hit follow on the podcast and head along to mumbrella.com.au for more information on everything that we've talked about today. Thanks for your company. See you next time.